Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 355, YMYW listeners are dialing in their retirement saving and investing strategies. Is it too risky to have 7 or 8% of your portfolio in your employer's stock? Are Series I bonds a good investment for the cash portion of a portfolio? Would it ever make sense to save to a brokerage instead of maxing out a retirement account? Besides investing each month in VTSAX, Vanguard's total stock market index fund, how else do Joe and Big Al think a self-employed 20-something couple should begin setting themselves up for retirement? What's a good strategy to pay for construction of a new home while retaining the earned income tax credit and child tax credits? And finally, does it make sense to convert to Roth from an inherited IRA, brokerage, 401k, or social security funds? Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send in your money questions. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I started participating in my ESPP plan earlier this year. Uh, the company gives me 15% discount on stock price. I deferred the maximum allowed 15% of my pay. The first accumulation period just ended and the stock purchase has taken place. These shares represent about 2% of my total portfolio. To avoid paying ordinary income tax on the gain, I'm considering holding the stock for 18 months after the purchase period. But since a new purchase period happen every, happens every six months, I will go through three more accumulation purchase cycles before I sell any shares. So it's possible that the stock could grow as much as 7 to 8% of my portfolio. Is it too risky to have this much invested in my employer stock? Would it be wiser to sh- uh, sell shares immediately after they purchase, even though it would mean paying ordinary income tax on the gain? Um, gives us the ticker, but I think it doesn't necessarily it doesn't, matter. It doesn't matter. Um, so ESPP plans, really good plan for um, individuals that they can buy their company stock at a discount. Yeah, employee stock purchase plan, only a few companies offer it. It's not common, but when your company does, it's a great plan because you can buy stock at 15% discount. And so the, the rule is this, that once you buy the stock, you got to wait a year and to sell it. And then you get, you still have to pay ordinary income tax on the, on the discount portion that goes on your W-2. But the other part, the gain on sale of the stock is capital gain. And there, there's a couple more rules. I won't go, but anyway, that's the basic rule. So if the stock does not change, you automatically gain 15%. You do. That's right. Because, all right, and if the stock goes up 15%, well, you just made 30%. Right. If the stock goes down 15%, you didn't lose anything besides the taxes that you paid. Yeah, yeah. So, it, you, you know, 70% in your total portfolio, no, I don't think that's too risky. I'm, I, I'm fine with that, too. I, I, I would go up 10 or 15 even. Yeah, without question. You know, getting that at that big of a discount, you've got wiggle room. Um you know, to, to see where that's, if the stock is super volatile. Yeah. And given seven or 8%, the only reason you would sell before the one year period is if you felt the stock was overpriced and was going to go down, then forget the taxes, cash out and get what you can. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, from a diversification standpoint, um, no, I like the ESPP plan. Um, I would follow the rules on that. I would I would hold the stock, and then if you do want to diversify, you know, pay the capital gains on uh, on any of the gains. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great plan, as you said. You you right from day one, you get a discount of fifteen percent, so you've got a gain right immediately. So why not, right? All right, um, Kevin writes in from Denver. He goes, hey Andy, Joe, and Big Al. 
after the beating I took from Joe on my last question in podcast 290, it's taken me a year of therapy <laughs> and a lot of barrel-aged stouts to seek your insights on another topic. You must have been pretty tough on Kevin. Huh? Come on, Kev. <laughs> We're boys. It's all in good fun. I don't remember beating up on Kevin. <laughs> he probably gave us, you know, one piece of information and asked for, you know, answers on five. Could be. <clears throat> uh, barreled age stouts. Yeah. Mm. You like stouts? Not really. Yeah, I didn't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I do like Guinness. Uh, no. Okay, so let's see what Kevin's got here. Um, what is your take on I-bonds in the cash portion of a portfolio? What is the downside beyond the purchase limits and penalties for early withdrawal? With the recent rate increase, it seems like a better alternative than what can be earned in a high-interest saving CD account. Historically, I've held $100,000 in a CD ladder, but with my higher-rate CDs all maturing over the past year, I'm trying to find a low-risk alternative that can earn at least a little bit more interest. Uh, Big Al, what's your take on I-bonds? <laughs> I knew you'd ask me that. <laughs> that's, your, that's for you. That's an investment question. I-bonds, double E-bonds, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they're, it's a treasury bond. Go for it. I mean, if you're going to get a little bit, you know, they're offering a little bit better rate. There's some liquidity issues there, but it sounds like it's a cash reserve. And if you, you know, emergency fund, if you really need to get at the money, I would imagine you would cash out your CDs early um, and, and, and pay the penalty there or not necessarily a penalty or, or discount your interest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I-bonds are somewhat similar. Um, well, and that, that's a good point about CDs because people are so nervous about the prepayment penalty. And all that is is, is receiving less interest. Yeah. It's, it's, that's how it's calculated. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I like I-bonds. Um, it's not like I would recommend them, but if that's something that you want to do, Kevin, I think th that's all. That's yeah, I mean, the thing about any bonds, you have a chance for a higher rate of return than a CD, for sure. There is a little bit of uh, potential for volatility because the bonds can go up and down in value if you don't hold them to maturity. So, you know, just be aware of that. Okay. Um, a second question, if you're willing... As a follow-up to episode 350, what? How many questions did Kevin ask? He's got 290, 350. What episode are we? Well, on? 350 wasn't his question because he's finally got the courage to ask it now. Uh, got it. All right. Sorry, Kevin. My sincere <laughs> apologies. Um, I'll have a stout with you. We'll hang out and have a couple cold ones. So he's got a second question, if you're willing, as a follow-up to episode 350 in the sequence of retirement savings. Okay. Okay. So 401k to the match. Then you go to the max out Roth IRA. Go back to the 401k and then money into a brokerage. My wife and I plan to retire in five to eight years respectively. We max out our contributions to an HSA, my Roth 401k, her 403b account, along with her annual $7,000 backdoor Roth. But there just isn't enough extra income to also establish a brokerage account. Uh, we currently have 80% in pre-tax and 20% in Roth with a conversion strategy of eventually reaching a more even mix by utilizing uh, farm rental income for paying the taxes on the conversion. My question, would it ever be feasible to put money into a brokerage account in lieu of maxing out a 403B? It seems counterintuitive. 
uh, to continue to put money into the pre-tax savings only to convert it to a Roth after my wife retires. We're in the 24% tax bracket and our projected retirement spending will probably keep us within that tax bracket range or even higher. FYI, I'm neither an engineer nor a professor, as Joe has yeah, surmised that's what you thought, in the okay. past. Yeah. I'm a nurse. Oh. Okay. Um, who's become a trans... Transition. Transition project manager helping hospitals move and open new hospitals, and thus a walking spreadsheet who needs to plan for everything. Thanks again for taking my question. Kevin in Denver. So, Kevin, you use your Excel skills to ask this, uh, to chart out all these uh, these scenarios. Yes. Okay, well, what do you think? Um, okay. So, let's say you get a tax deduction at 24%. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to pay 28% later. Right. So the whole purpose of a retirement account is to get a tax deduction today, have the money cr- grow tax deferred, right? And then when you pull the, pull the money out, you'll be in a lower tax bracket. That was the whole concept of the 401k and IRA plan. Sure. Um, well, back when they were established in, what, 1974, the, the highest tax rate was a lot higher than it is today. Right. Right. 50, 75 percent or yeah, something like that. 70. 70 percent. Um, so if I'm if I'm on the top marginal rate of 70 percent and getting a tax deduction, um, the likelihood in the tax deduction, it was a lot larger because of the tax rates were so much higher. But over time, tax rates have gone down and now they're scooting back up potentially. Right. They're slated to go up um, in twenty twenty six. So I know for a fact Kevin from Denver has done the planning, he's done the spreadsheets, and he's kind of taken a look at with the conservative growth rate, conservative inflation, what tax bracket potentially do, do I think I'm going to be in? And I think he's right on. If you're going to pay 24% tax, do you put that in a retirement account, have it grow tax deferred, and then when you have to pull the money out, you pay 28% in tax? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Do I want to just pay the 24% in tax, Right. And then put that into a brokerage account. Yeah, so you got more tax diversification and you stay out of the higher brackets. You, yeah, because you're just loading up. 80% of your money is in a pre-tax account. Another thing I would look at, depending on where his money's held, if I'm in that 24% tax bracket, you might want to rather do a conversion at the 24% tax bracket. So convert today versus waiting for your wife to retire. If you have monies that can convert, if all of your money's in a in, in employer plan that doesn't do in-plan conversions, then you don't do that. But I would do an in-plan conversion or do a conversion to the top of the 24% tax bracket before not saving. Because as I'm saving into the retirement account, that's lowering my tax bracket and I'm just converting out because you're already maxing out all your Roth plans given your income. Excellent point. And and I think it also depends upon what bracket you're going to be in when your wife retires and how much you should convert. And that would kind of help you figure out what to do today. But yeah, I think you're right on, Joe. All right, Kev. Um, again, please accept my apologies. I'm, I'm a new man. I was going through kind of a little crabby <laughs> spurt. Um, Back in two ni- episode 290? 290, yes. It was, it was a totally different man. I'm back. Thank you uh, for all your support. You know, earlier, Kevin asked about investing in I-bonds. With so many sexier investments out there, why would you want to own bonds? We've got a new guide on that very topic, and you can download it for free from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. 
Learn about the different types of bonds, the pros and cons of owning them, and the role that bonds play in a diversified investment portfolio. Now, if reading financial literature or asking questions on a podcast with a financial advisor going through a crabby spurt aren't providing the in-depth answers you need for your retirement plans, why not click the Get an Assessment button also there in the podcast show notes. Schedule a financial assessment with one of the experienced professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. It's free, like the guides and the podcast, but unlike them, this comprehensive financial assessment is expressly tailored to you, your tax situation, your ability to tolerate risk, and your retirement needs and goals. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to download the guide to bonds and to schedule your free financial assessment. We got Preston from Alabama. I write in, hey, I'm currently 24 years old. I'm getting married in June and my fiance's 22. Uh, We're in the process of setting up retirement accounts. We are self-employed, so we're setting up our own accounts. So they're setting up their own accounts like... Never mind. Yeah. All right. My plan as of now is to open up two separate Roth IRAs with plans to max them out every single year. Along with that, I want to have one or two accounts that offer a tax benefit. Um, I just finished reading A Simple Path to Wealth. All right. I've done my research in considering opening up Vanguard account and contributing the BTSAX with a percentage of my salary each month. I was curious to know what else I should be doing and how to set up for the most successful moving forward. And I appreciate the advice you can offer. How to set up for the most successful, you forgot my S- Successful retirement, S- retirement savings plan. Most successful life. <laughs> most successful marriage, marriage <laughs> yeah, moving maybe. forward. Right. Um, just kind of forgot. Well, it. first of all, VTSAX is the Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund. Yep. We did a... Um, Show on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Love which, the fund. Which we, yeah. In fact, I recommended that fund to both of my kids. Really? Yep. Yeah. I own that fund. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Preston, 22 years old. Here's all right. So, you're self employed. So, it's, it's kind of funny. Well, I'm self employed. So, I'm setting up my own account. I'm going to set up a Roth IRA. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, if you're self employed, you can do something a little bit different. You, you can. You might want to set up a, a self employed uh, solo 401k. Then you can put more in if you have years where there's more profit than just the $6,000 for the Roth. So you and your wife are both self-employed. So I would set up a solo 401k for you and your wife. Um, I would make sure that the, the solo 401k has a Roth provision in it. So you could put up to nineteen five for both of you because you're under 50 or 22 and 24. Um, and you could put those in your own qualified plan. Unless you have multiple employees, but I'm guessing you don't because um, you said you work on your own. You're going to do this on your own. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming too. And, and so, and if six thousand dollars is your number, then that's what you can put into the solo 401k. But it just gives you the flexibility to put a lot more. And we completely agree it should be Roth IRA. Uh, the principal reasons for that is you think about decades and decades of tax-free growth, what that's going to be worth later on, and secondly. Thinking about if you're 24 and 22 years of age, likely your income will go up. So you're in a low bracket right now, which is the best time absolutely to take advantage of the Roth. Yep, without question. So, and then you can set up a brokerage account. What we like to look at is tax diversification. So maybe as your um, self-employment income increases, then you might go with the pre-tax 
component of your 401k plan. Um, or you might just st- stick with the Roth. So you could do a Roth 401k, and then you can also do a Roth IRA. So you can kind of double dip here a little bit. You can. So you can really maximize the amount of money that you're putting in tax-free. Um, if you want to save more than that, then we would recommend um, going into a brokerage account because there you're going to be taxed at capital gains rates. So um, I think you're doing a good job. You're doing your research. You're, you're reading books, calling this stupid show. <laughs> um, saying if we agree, and we, we do agree. Yeah, I like it. Thanks, Preston. Um, good luck. Uh, got Nick from Omaha, Nebraska writes in. He goes, hey, Joe, Al, and Andy. Love your show and appreciate you answering my last question regarding the earned income tax credit. By the way, my four kids do have clothes and eat plenty. Oh, this is the guy that lives off of like $7 yeah, a year. and he's getting the earned income credit. Crazy. Good for you, Nick. I have another question regarding the earned income tax credit and paying for a new construction home with cash versus a 30-year loan. Is it best to take the loan for around three hundred thousand at three or three and a half percent interest for thirty years, or just pay cash. Normally, I would not be on the fence about the decision with interest rates where they are, and I would just take the loan and invest the difference in the market. However, with a paid-off house, I can continue to max out all my retirement accounts: four hundred one k, four fifty seven HSA, around forty six thousand dollars annually, or close to that that I can reduce my AGI from the twenty six dollars to $30,000 range to get the max earned income tax credit and child tax credit. For 2021, these credits come out to about $6,700 or uh, come out to $6,728 right. and $1,380 uh, for child tax credits fully refundable. If the tax credit is not extended into 2022, it would still be over $14,000 per year going forward in, t- um, in return or refund. To sum it all up, is it better to take a 30-year loan at thirty or $300,000 at about 3 3.5% in invested difference or get a guaranteed rate of return from Uncle Sam with the, the tax credit? Uh, this is a very good question. I like it here. All right. So the ch- uh, the child tax credits ranging from fourteen to twenty thousand dollars. That's forty six to sixty seven return uh, rate of return on the twenty six thirty thousand dollars AGI. Um, I would need at least a five to seven percent return on the three hundred thousand annually to keep up with Uncle Sam's generosity. Because all right. So the, here's the gist. He gets a child tax credit. Um, anywhere from fourteen to twenty thousand dollars a year, because he saves so much money that it reduces his income to like right. pennies. Yeah, so he gets the earned income credit and the child tax credit, and it comes out to twenty grand. So if he gets a mortgage, now he cannot save as much into those plans because he's got this mortgage. That's uh, yeah, that's what I get to. So it's like, okay, well, do I pay off the mortgage? Um, and pay cash, so sure. that three hundred thousand is not earning me any money. Right, but then I also get a twenty thousand dollar, you know, a- additional income. Sure. So, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, here's what I think. I think the um, first of all, there, there's actually another another uh, option that you might be missing. Nick is if you um, if if you get the mortgage. You'll have three hundred thousand in your account. You can you can 
have less of a salary, you, you still can have your full withholding. You still can end up with that AGI, just it's more slowly over time and you're not paying that interest. That is an, an option. You know, I think when, when we look at something like this, you know, the classic statement is if the loan is three, three and a half percent and you can earn six, seven, eight percent, why wouldn't you do that? Of course, then it's not guaranteed. There's more risk. And I don't know whether you're, you're good with that or, or not with, with risk. But um, anyway, I, I, I think I, I, I would, um, what would I do? I would probably, I mean, it's kind of a toss up, really. Here, I, I love where your head's at here. Is that okay, Nick? Your your mortgage is going to cost you about sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. You're going to receive a twenty thousand dollar tax credit. So if you take a mortgage, right, and it's going to cost you fifteen thousand, you still save what Al was saying. He's like, okay, well, here, fully fund your four hundred one k four fifty seven HSA plans. Your AGI is still going to be that low because you're maxing out all these plans, and you're thinking, well. What are you guys talking about? I still owe the $16,000 into, you know, I know I can live off of $7 a year, but, <laughs> you know, come on, let's be realistic. I got now a mortgage. Right. But you still have the $300,000. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and that probably makes the most sense because, because it's the, che- the, cheap money. It's cheap money and in the, in the credit is paying his mortgage. Right. Because he wouldn't receive the $20,000 if he didn't have the AGI as low as he, as he has it. Right. So he takes the mortgage. He takes $15,000 from the $300,000 each year to pay the mortgage, but he's also getting an additional $20,000. He gets it right back. Of tax, right? So he gets it right back. So, And the way that you do that is, is basically you, you go ahead and, and fully um, fund your retirement plans. But now you just have a lower net pay, and you supplement that n- that lower pay with the fifteen thousand you'll take out of your account, or, yeah. or whatever the number is. So, so here's the planning um, for for everyone else or spitballing is if you want to max out your four and like people are like oh I can't really afford to max out my four hundred one k plan, but they have you know two hundred thousand dollars sitting in a brokerage account or maybe a hundred thousand dollars sitting in cash. It's like well no fully fund your four hundred one k plan. Yeah, your your paycheck is going to be lower. I get it. Right. right. But you have other capital to supplement. Right. The 401k only, ha- it, 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 the only way to get money into the 401k is from your uh, paycheck. Sure. So you, you just kind of play with the money a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and we, we hear this from different people when we tell them to max fund their 401k so that they can create a deduction so they can do a Roth conversion. They'll say, well, I can't live on that net pay. It's like, well, you got five hundred thousand. Why not just supplement your savings? And it's it's when you think about it, you end up with the same money. It's just more is in a Roth IRA. Right. You you're just look. Your net worth isn't changing, but how your net worth is going to be taxed in the future changes. Right. So it's making sure that you're utilizing all the plans, um, and then just maneuvering the money in such a way that you're taking advantage of the tax code, like Nick here. Um, he's like, all right, well, here, I want to buy this house. Should I just pay cash so I get the $20,000? Well, wait a minute. You could still get the, the, the earned income tax credit right? because you could still save that much, uh, but you're just paying your mortgage from another account, and then uh, the credit comes back to you, and you just yeah. kind of um, plop that right back in. So um, good luck, Nick. Thanks for the question. Hopefully that helps. 
We've got two other new free guides ready for you to download from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. First, find out how to maximize the tax deduction you receive from your donations to charity in our charitable giving guide with steps on informed donating. Next, learn how to fast track your retirement savings regardless of your current account balance with our new tips to fast track your retirement. Download both of these new guides and revisit that episode that touches on the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, where the fellas answered the question, why not just go all in on VTSAX? Access all three by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and then look for free resources. Uh, Rose writes in from Southeast Wisconsin. Hi, Andy. Big Al and Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. Yo, what's up, Rose? (laughs) Um, Here's for the important stuff. Call me Rose. All right. Okay. We already did. (laughs) <laughs> I drive a 2006 Toyota Prius. Gotta love the 57 MPG. You ever driven a Prius, Big Al? I test drove one once. Oh, I knew you did, you green <laughs> vegan. <laughs> I'm, I'm for saving the earth you and are. making us healthier. You are, you are. Have uh, you driven a Prius? I've never been in one. So uh, Annie was getting a new car, and, and she wanted a, a small car, so she drove the Prius C. It had just come out. It's a little one. Tiny. Tiny. And to try to get on an on-ramp up, up a freeway, <laughs> that was an adventure. So I said, I don't think this is the one. <laughs> uh, Rose has no pets anymore. I'm 57 and retired. Uh, retired at age 55. I own my home with no mortgage. All right, congrats. Um, I have no earned income, so everything's coming from her investments. It yeah, looks like. investments or pensions or both. Okay, this is about Roth conversions. Sorry, uh, no back door. I don't want to deal with the pro rata nonsense. Okay, okay, um, and you can't do a back door with uh, no with earned no, in, no earned, earned, income. earned income anyway. So, <laughs> so that works. I think you're fine, Rose. Yep. No, no worries. Um, I can take money from one or more of four sources to do Roth conversions from traditional IRA, 401k accounts. Okay, I can take money from one or more of four sources to do Roth conversions. So she's probably talking about paying the tax, I'm guessing. Okay, we'll see. Okay. I could take about the same amount of money from each source. The four sources I could take the cash out of are, so if she's taking the cash out of, that sounds like if she wants to convert it or not, but we'll go down. Inherited IRA. So, okay, so she's getting an RMD through age 87 on an inherited IRA. Um, Just for edification, everyone out there, you cannot convert an inherited IRA. Um, but if you're taking cash from the inherited IRA and you're you're reinvesting it or spending it or potentially using it, you know, to pay some pay the tax, tax on, the on conversion. a conversion, sure, you can uh, brokerage yep. account. Okay, so that's just a non-qualified capital account. Four hundred one k. The rule of fifty five applies. So what she's stating there is that if you have a four hundred one k account, you can pull money from a four hundred one k as long as you separate from service from that employer at age fifty five. Rose is 57, so she does not have a 10% penalty when she pulls money from the 401k. And then she could take Social Security starting at age 62. So she's right. 57. Social Security is um, a couple of years down. So here's a, just a few things 
this is a pretty long question. Yeah, um, maybe we'll kind of shorten it. But here's what I'm what I'm trying to figure out now. She has no earned income, right? And so she doesn't want to do the back door because she doesn't want to do the pro rata stuff, right? And she wants to, um, no back door. I don't want to deal with the pro rata nonsense. Okay. Yeah. Well, unless Rose, unless you're married and your husband has earned income. But if you have a 401k account versus an IRA, there is no pro rata rule with the 401k. It's just the IRAs. That is true. So you could put Wait. everything into your 401k and you could. You could. Yeah. Right. So th- th- there's ways around the pro rata rule. But sure. anyway, um, maybe she's got a big retirement account that she's trying to convert. And so she's got these different areas of excess money outside of the big 401k that she can um, use the money to pay the tax. Right. Okay. I understand the tax implications of the RMD 401k. That's ordinary income tax. All right. So brokerage account is going to be 15%. If she takes Social Security, uh, 15% of that is going to be tax-free. As a note, the funds are being converted to get them into a tax-free account and to reduce my future tax bracket which she believes is going to be in the 28 or 33% if she does nothing. Wow. Okay, so she's got a lot of income, other income. The longer it takes to move the funds, the more years I'll be in a higher tax bracket. The plan below includes my personal spending budget, and the rest is for conversions in taxes. So she's going to convert up to the 24% tax bracket, um, and then she's going to convert to the 28% tax bracket when the uh, tax brackets change, and then hopefully in 2030 and thereafter, uh, she's going to convert at the 25. And, and by the way, the tax brackets change in 2026, at least as they're scheduled to right now. So ideally, I'd like to have most or all conversions done before the age 72 RMDs kick in. This is my plan unless certain presidential uh, administrations mess up my plans again. I live in a state that collects tax. She wants to move to a tax-free state. Uh, We're currently in low tax time. She's in the 22% tax bracket versus the 25. um, That when rates increase. Um, I know at the end of 2025, the brackets are planned to increase. Yeah, I just said that. If I use ordinary tax funds, the remainder of the tax bracket for conversion shrinks due to the higher ordinary income tax. So she's going to do a conversion, but she has to pay more tax on the conversion. So the amount she can convert is lower. Right. Okay. Correct. All right. So, however, the federal tax bracket percentages are lower. So maybe it makes sense because I'm in a low tax environment. Maybe I use these lower ordinary income rates to get the money out versus using ordinary income rates in the future to get the money out. Sure. I think that's the gist of the question. Okay. I'm with you. Um, what do you think? Because she's going to be in the 28 or 33% tax bracket. If here's, she does nothing. Here's yeah. the biggest rule of thumb. As long as you stay under the 28 or 33%, or if you stay in the 28 or lower, that's what your, your math should look like. Right. And so... It depends how much funds you have in your brokerage account or how much your required minimum distribution from your inherited IRA, which, of course, is taxable. So let's start with inherited IRA. Um, with, with that, then you've already got that income. It's already factored in, so you can convert up to the top of that bracket. Your brokerage account will be capital gains. You can then pay a 15% tax likely on that. 401k you're going to have more ordinary income Yeah, tax. I know. So we already less, went through less, that. She already less did, conversion. She, so wh- I guess the question is, Al, what, what she, should she use ordinary income tax or capital gains tax now in a low-tax environment? Um, 
Well, we don't know enough about what these numbers are, so it's impossible to say. No, it's not. Look at <laughs> if you're going to take money from a retirement account and pay the tax, include every the, the amount of money that you're paying in tax and make sure that your effective rate is going to be the same or lower when you do a tax projection in the future. Yeah. I think Alan is still super confused on the question. I thought that's what I said. I think you're confused with my answer. No, because you just repeated it. Well, no, capital gains tax is 15 and ordinary income taxes are going up. I mean, I just read the question. Maybe you weren't listening to it. All right, whatever. They're like squabbling brothers sometimes, aren't they? They are way behind on answering your voice messages and emails since Big Al has been vacationing in Tahiti. But we will start catching up on those next week. Make sure you're subscribed to the YMYW podcast so you don't miss a thing. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get and Assess assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment at a time and date convenient for you no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.